Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. Today is October the 11th, 2021. Here are some things you're going to hear today. Today is Native American Day. You may also hear that today is Columbus Day. Today, according to my producer Paul Perot, is also National Sausage Pizza Day. You better believe it. Yum. Uh, It is National Walk to a Park Day. It is National, oh, it's International Day of the Girl Child. Today is also known as Monday. It's always known as the day the Lord has made. So I just thought I would lead off this morning, not with uh, news out of the headlines, but with a reminder of the good news. It's news every day, and we ought to make it news every day. We ought to be the people amplifying the good news of the gospel every day. So today's going to be a day of opportunity, challenge, mundane tasks, new ideas, routine responsibilities, moments of decision. It's going to be a day when you can count on God to be fully who he is, fully present, active, working, advancing his kingdom priorities toward an end that has been revealed in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. You can count on God to uh, be moving intentionally in the direction of a future that is centered on the reign of Christ. And yes, the redemption of all things. Today's that day. Today, for some, will be the day that changes every other day forever and ever. Because for some people, today is going to be the day of salvation. The day marked down in the book of life for all eternity as the day they set their heart. They believed that God raised Jesus from the dead. They declared with their mouth, Jesus is Lord. So I'm praying for those who today will turn from the ways of the world to the way and the truth and the life of Christ. If you don't know him, if you have not trusted in Jesus, consider making today that day. Scripture promises that those who believe in their hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord, will be saved. Make today that day, if you have never before turned to the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ, of of everything else that today is, make today that day. The world is going to be white hot, debating and arguing a myriad number of lesser things. But set before each one of us is the ultimate decision of real life redeemed in Christ, not only for today, but for an eternity of days that lie ahead. So consider Christ today. And if you are a Christ follower, then join me on this Monday 
in praying for those who have yet to respond to the good gift of God's grace in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us pursue them with truth and grace. Let us open the word with them as they examine the truth for themselves. The truth that we know sets men free. So we will get to the headlines, but we're going to begin this Monday with a prayer and an invitation and an acknowledgement of the most essential and important news of this day and every day, the great and good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Joining us next, uh, Dave Buring from Lion Share. We're going to talk about living at Jesus' pace. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. joins us from Lion Share. You can find what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. Dave, welcome back. Good morning. I'm still thinking about National Sausage Pizza Day. I know. You want to meet up? Seriously. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I need one with a gluten-free... Cr- I mean, like, we are committed to doing this gluten-free thing, so I, uh, yeah. I'm going to look for one with a really good, like, cauliflower or sweet potato crust. I have discovered oh, yeah. that these are my two gluten-free options of choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've had the cauliflower one before. It's pretty doggone good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So with that in mind, um, let's uh, let's talk about (laughs) pacing ourselves and living at Jesus pace. Let's let's start with this. What does it mean to pace ourselves? And and then in in the culture, like we're often trying to keep up with the pace of something other than Jesus. So can you talk a little bit about pacing ourselves before we get into pacing ourselves according to the pace of Jesus? Yes. So I don't, when we're talking about this, I don't mean like us standing in a room, walking back and forth, pacing because we're upset about something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm talking about finding a a rhythm of life that allows us to walk well with the Lord, well with people, and fulfilling what God's created us to be and do. And I think oftentimes we, we find ourselves you know, out in, out in left field on that. And when we look at the pacing of Jesus, one of the cool things is um, that the way that he paced himself was that he, he was secure in who he was so he could freely serve. And one of the things that I look at with that, Carmen, in a practical way is, here's a practical application for me. I ask myself the question, am I doing things to meet my own internal need for love and acceptance or because I have known God's love and acceptance. It's a big mm. difference. It's a can big you, difference. Can you, ask, can, you, can you ask that question again? Yeah. Are, uh, am I, so I'll make this personal for me, am I doing things to meet my own internal need for love and acceptance, which we all have? But is that the motivation why I work, why I relate to this person, why I'm doing this or that? Or is it because I've already known God's love and acceptance. So in other words, I've become aware of that. It's, it's real to me that God is loved and accept me. So in other words, I'm not doing anything to perform. I'm doing things out of love rather than to try to get love. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that is so good. And uh, there's a little bit there that, um, you know, Jesus 
Jesus is so fully himself everywhere that we mm-hmm. see him um, revealed in Scripture. And I realize, yeah. I mean, I'm so with John on the fact that if everything had been written down, like the books that would have ha- would yeah. have had to have been written would have. So what we have in Scripture are a limited number of stories about um, mm-hmm. what Jesus said and did when he was here walking the earth. And so when I when I see him, let's say when I see him at the uh, at the well in Samaria, He's so yeah. fully himself. Yeah. And yeah. and and that's because he has this complete knowledge of who he is in relationship to the Father. And it's not that the world doesn't touch him and then he's not touched by the needs of people and the hardness of life, because he clearly is. I mean, he yeah. he goes there intentionally. He yeah. comes here intentionally, right? He came intentionally. Yeah. Um and so talk a little bit about that. That because Jesus has never rushed. He mm-hmm. um He's never, um, he doesn't meet every need that he encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, can you just talk a little bit about the pace of Jesus that we observe? Yeah. It, what you're sharing is, it's awesome. Yeah. And I like to say he's never rushed or hurried, is another word, because of our day to day. But yet he's always right on time. It's like mm-hmm. the timing of, of meeting the woman at the well when he sends the guys off to go get some lunch. And he's, you know, just God's timing and all that. And I think a lot of that is, it's like, here's how I internalize this for me. And I, and I find this in Jesus, Jesus is led or his pace is dictated more by a peace than it is a push. Let me say that again. Jesus's current pace, my current pace, as I can ask the question, is it dictated more by a push or a peace? So Mm. a push means I'm striving I've got my hands in there. I'm anxious. I got to make it happen. Where a peace, you know, it's the same scenario of intensity maybe before you and and things that need to get done. But you're operating out of a peace. And whenever I see Jesus functioning like this, there is not a push. I got to make it happen. It's got to look this way or that way. He's functioning out of a peace inside. So for me, it becomes one of my, you know, buzzers. That alerts me inside if I'm not in a good place, if my pace is de- dictated more by a push than a piece. And that doesn't mean I'm not busy. My schedule even this week is just more than I wish I had. However, I've also built in time throughout the week to drink in, time to rest, time to get refreshed. So some weeks that might look like, hey, I'll tell my wife, show, hey, hon, let's not let's not plan a lot at night this week because our days are so full. My mom, when I was a, a young missionary with Youth of the Mission, gave me some wisdom as about a 19 or 20-year-old. And she said, Dave, you know, the enemy of our soul, the devil, will always try to do things to get us too busy that we don't have time to be with the Lord. And she encouraged me. She said, just be thinking as more of a norm. Maybe this might not work out day to day, but over a week, that if you have two-thirds of your time to give out to others, that you have a third of your time to make sure you have time with the Lord, make sure you're healthy, make sure you're doing well. And that was some pretty good advice. You um, you just reminded me of a scene I witnessed um, once. Um, so we're gonna, when we come back, I'm going to tell a brief, a, a quick story about uh, a child acknowledging that his mother was too busy. We'll mm. be right back. We're talking with Dave Buring from Lion Share. You can 
find uh, the conversation that we're talking about today at lionshare.org. Um, how do I live and work at Jesus pace? So, um, Dave, as you were talking about the question of whether or not we're too busy, I was on a Zoom call, like, you know, that's like how the world has moved in the last couple of years. And um, we were in the middle of a conversation and all of a sudden, you know, it was disrupted by um, the pleading cries of a little child. I would guess he was about 18 months old. He came into view, um, you know, behind one of my uh, colleagues on the call and he was screaming and he was holding out his arms. And, you know, there's no doubt what he wanted. Right. He wanted his mom to pick him up and hold him. And he got to her and she stayed fixated on all of us. And then he said two words. He's holding out his arms and he's crying. And he's his two words are too busy, too busy. (laughs) He's holding out his arms to too busy. Right. Wow. And we all looked at each other, froze, and did the only thing that we could do, which was bring the call to an end very quickly. So she could turn from being too busy to, to being a mom and wow. and moving at right moving at the right pace in that moment yeah. for that child. Yeah. Um, so talk talk with us about learning to do this, learning to understand the pace of Jesus and then learning to be motivated by peace instead of a push. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great story and it's it, it's I think there's none of us you know, that would deny that we get caught in that. And it's one of those things for me, it's been over about the last 20 years now that I'm, I've am i been trying to get better and better. By the way, Carmen, in case I forget to mention this, if if uh, our listeners are wondering, like, what's a book that maybe I can mm. reflect on or, or listen to? There's a great book out called Margin by Richard Swenson. He's a doctor, and um, he defines margin as the space between our load and our limits, and he, he comments that usually we commit to about 120% life when we should live an 80% life so that we have margin. God didn't make us to burn out. So he talks about how do you live in such a way so that you have margin to sprint when it's time to sprint, you know, for, and particularly for important things in life. So anyway, just, just a thought there. Yeah, I for me, there's an unwinding process. So, you know, we're, it's like to go from you know, 70 miles an hour a day to try to get it maybe to more the, you know, the right pace for your life. There's a bit of an unwinding that has to happen. So it doesn't, it doesn't happen in an instant, but a determination within our own um, soul, our own will can be made that says, okay, I'm going to begin a journey to find a better pace. And I think when, when we look at things, for example, like our relationships um, and, and, catching rest for ourselves. Those are, again, are two, just kind of like the peace and the push. It, it's, uh, do I have enough rest? Like, am I constantly giving out out of exhaustion? If, mm. if, if we're recognizing that I just am constantly giving out of exhaustion, hey, we all get to that place. So there's nothing to be ashamed of with that. It's just, we all get to that pace, but it should also be a marker that says, I need to take a time out. And uh, I was actually in that place uh, earlier this year, just some life circumstances that had hit my wife and I. And I actually went to a, a friend of mine who's a, uh, a really wise counselor and who listens to the Lord while she counsels. And, and she just said, Dave, part of your, your 
lack of being able to rebound like you normally do is you've been a bit depleted. We're, we're in a season of life of tending 88-year-old parents and a number of other things going on. And she just said, you need to grab an extended break this summer. And so we did. Shell and I are good vacationers. When we get away, we let go of everything. I used to tease I feel my like staff. you went to Hawaii. Uh, you are exactly right. And Hawaii is a special spot. It's where my wife and I met. And we spent years with an organization called Youth with a Mission. And so that was very good. It was, uh, you know, just refreshing and times with the Lord, walks on the beach, good food, laughter, all that stuff. And for us, that can be that can be refreshing. And, you know, I think it's an important thing that we recognize that when break times come, can you really let go? I used to tease my staff when I was a pastor and I'd say when I, when I headed away, I, said, I, I love you guys but I don't want to hear from you unless someone dies or my house is on fire. And I would wink at them and they would know what I meant because I said, if you just let me rest, I'm going to come back better for everybody. So I think mm -hmm. looking at where we're wound up, taking some steps back, and it might start with a good rest. Yeah, and really, why come home from vacation for a house that's already burned down? Like, I, I would just <laughs> say, don't don't, don't even call me if that happens, because there's nothing I can do about that. Like, I don't, let's just take that one off the list. Yeah, there um, you go. All right, um, Dave, when we, when we talk about this, uh, I, I feel confident there are some people listening right now who are thinking to themselves, okay, so they're caring for... Um, you know, parents in their in their late 80s, maybe there's somebody listening who is thinking, um, you know, I am caring for a person with special needs. Maybe that is an mm -hmm. adult sibling. Maybe that mm -hmm. is a child. I can never get away from mm -hmm. that. Can you talk about how we live like Paul with the peace which passes all understanding, even in the midst of life circumstances that don't really allow for extended periods of time away from the challenge? Yeah, that's a great question. It's one that I've had to come to grips with in my own journey. And I, and I found in the scriptures that there's times that God delivers us from situations. There's times he releases us from situations. And there's times that we have to walk through the situation. And in some of my journey right now, most of it is walking through. And I, I had a dear friend remind me this summer out of Isaiah where it says, you know, when you walk through the fire, I will be there. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. And there's times that, that we have to just realize that um, it's not a suck it up mentality. It's not suck it up. Let's do this. It's just a reality that I am with you. And when he is with us, it means he's going to empower us with his grace and even with that being true, and it's 100% true, it's where I'm living, the reality is there are still, there's still a need for restorative relationships in our lives. That, that's another piece, you know, Carmen, that we have to look at is how many of our relationships are, they bring depletion to our life and how many are restorative. And we've got to make sure that we find a balance there. Uh, as someone in ministry, a lot of the times I'm in relationships with people that I just absolutely love, but there's a giving out, there's a giving out and there's a giving out. And so I also have to have restorative relationships. Uh, one of those right now in my life is my grandchildren. It's just being with them because I can just get on the floor, roll around, wrestle, play, laugh. You know, that's a restorative relationship in my life right now. I think um, 
one of the things that we have to be looking for around us, um, like our own church has has a special needs night each month that allows parents to drop their kids off for the night and with a safe in a safe grouping of other kids and adults so that they can go have a date night. Um, I think look around you and find who are the relationships in your life that really care about you, whether it's in your church, your neighborhood, your friendships, and find those that might be willing to step in from time to time. Because just just having one night like that for four or five hours that you know you can breathe, you can laugh, you can, you know, or go home and take a nap if you want to is is huge. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Dave, as always, thank you so much. Um, what a joy to be back with you. You guys can uh, visit with Dave at lionshare.org. We are talking about living at Jesus Pace. Uh, the um, uh, the audio that's posted there that you might find uh, interesting and digs a little deeper is, how do I try to live and work at Jesus Pace? Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. Let's take a, um, a brief pause for Greg Laurie and Knowing God. All right, you know how much I like to find people who have pressed the full force of their life into um, some particular and sometimes very particularly narrow um, opportunity where their gifting comes to bear on the needs of the world in a particular way. David Holston is a guy like that. He is the president and CEO of Mission Aviation Fellowship, and he joins us next to talk about... um, Uh, the inspiration of his life's work and a documentary that's been made about it. We'll be right back. Here's a tough question for parents. Would you rather control your teen or trust him? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. A mother called me to share her concern about a teenage son who was in rebellion, dishonest, and disrespectful. She was confused because she had lovingly raised her son right by clearly communicating all of her expectations. This well-intentioned lady had articulated a laborious list consisting of 100 directives. No one could live up to that standard. Her son felt like she was controlling everything in his life. He admitted that he'd rather do wrong and be in control than do right and not be in control. Mom, Dad, lighten up. Start trusting. Want to bring Mark to your church or community? Find out how to request an event in your area when you visit parentingtodaysteens.org. We think about the Great Commission and we think about the ends of the earth and we think about how the gospel is going to get there. I think increasingly we think about uh, bits and bites and the way that we can communicate with one another um, through the invisible means of of the Internet and the World Wide Web. Um, but the reality is there's lots of people who live in lots of places that are unreachable by technological means and people still have to go. And so how do they get there? Um, and what does it look like to extend the grace of God to the ends of the earth? Well, that is the name of the new inspirational documentary, Ends of the Earth, featuring Mission Aviation Fellowship and the story of our guest, 
David Holston. David, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, good morning, Carmen. What a joy to have you with us. So um, share with folks who are not familiar with it, uh, share with us about Mission Aviation Fellowship. Yeah, Mission Aviation Fellowship is a uh, a unique ministry. It's been around actually now for over 75 years. Uh, it started right after World War II by some pilots who desired to use their newly acquired skills in aviation to really go to some of the most remote parts of the world. And uh, 75 years later, we're still doing that. We're using the unique tool of the airplane to uh, uh, take the love of Christ to isolated people. And uh, it's a it's a real pleasure to do the work. Very unique, but uh, I love it. So uh, you fly... Um on behalf of like 1,500 or so nonprofit church and humanitarian organizations, you fly over a million miles each year serving 461 land and water sites. I want you to paint a picture of um, landing a, uh, a, a landing a plane on an airstrip designed in the middle of nowhere just for this purpose and the importance of that part of what you do. Yeah, so we do have the privilege of getting to serve hundreds of different uh, other organizations and ministries, helping them to get to the places where they need to go to do the ministry that they're involved in. So that can take us, as you mentioned, to uh, some very unique sort of airstrips. Um, I had the privilege of serving for about 17 years in Indonesia as an MAF pilot, and uh, there were Many different airstrips that were built on the ridges of mountains, sometimes you know on the side of a mountain with the airstrip sloping upwards. <laughs> and um, these were kind of hacked into the mountain by the local villagers. They would find an area that was somewhat open that could be used. And uh, you know, from the air, they can look like a, a little sliver of space that's available to you. Uh, to land on. Many times our passengers who are not familiar with the area could be pretty surprised that we're going to land in such an area. But uh, the airplane has to maneuver around terrain and and oftentimes, um, you know, inclement weather as well. And uh, you learn to do this very precisely, uh, landing the plane on a strip that's either grass or uh, or a rock or a, a mixture of both. Oftentimes this airship will be right in the middle of the village with, with houses or, or huts that surround it. And um, you, come to, you come to a stop at the end, shut down the airplane, and it's, it's almost like you're in a time machine. You know, it takes you to a place that is uh, far removed from uh, the, the situations that most of us have lived in. So uh, if that has piqued your curiosity and you want to see for yourself some of what Mission Aviation Fellowship does, we invite you to the new, very inspirational documentary, Ends of the Earth. It's going to be a two-night-only Fathom event in theaters nationwide, October 18 and 21. Uh, And you can find information about theaters um, and buy tickets at fathomevents.com. So Ends of the Earth is the movie you're looking for if you're Googling it now. Um, David, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about your experience in terms of the places that you've been, the things that you've seen, the people that you've had the opportunity to serve, and the and the sacrifice of comfort. So, you know, tell us tell us some of those stories and then just that acknowledgement that there are some things 
that you sacrifice in order to um, do this ministry? Yeah, you know, our, I mean, when I look back on our time overseas, I don't, I, I certainly don't regard it as a time of, of, um, of loss, you know, or, or giving up a lot of things. I think, I think our family would say that we gain so much more, but the reality of it is you do, you do leave your family in the U S behind, you leave a culture that you're accustomed to, uh, behind. We, we went overseas. We had to learn a new language, learn a new culture. We found ourselves in, uh, the largest Muslim country in the world. When we were in Indonesia, a place that we, we fell in love with over time. Um, you know, we arrived there just about five days before 9-11 took place in 2001. That was an interesting time to, uh, you know, start to adjust to overseas living. But during our time there, we just had a front row seat to, um, you know, witness firsthand how God can bring deep change to the lives of people who are in many cases, forgotten by the rest of the world. I think it it demonstrates an important aspect of the gospel that, you know, we follow a shepherd who goes back for the one. And MAF lives and serves in the world of that one. You know, it's just we, part of who we are is we focus on the isolated and and it's the airplane that takes us there. So, you know, we we would take just about anything that we could get inside of the airplane uh that was needed and we could fit through the doors, we would take that. And and sometimes it could be really unusual things like when I flew a thousand baby ducks interior once you were going to be a part of a, uh, a program for farmers and we would fly food supplies, had the privilege of flying in a new translation of the Bible to a village. We used the airplane as a tool to uh, really as a flying ambulance to pick up people who needed uh, to be medevaced out of their location. I had I had a baby that was born on the airplane. I had a child who died on the airplane. Um, numbers of, you know, a number of different missionaries that we had the privilege of serving and helping them get to their place of ministry. So, yeah, you know, there was, there was sacrifice. There were things that we had to uh, leave behind. There were holidays that we didn't get to experience. There were funerals that we missed. You know, those were, those were hard things. But um, we were blessed uh, many times over. God gave us a, a community and a family there. And again, the sense of getting to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves that meaningfully impacted people, uh, I guess we just, we just wouldn't trade that. And uh, we're, we're so thankful to have gotten to be a part of that. You can, uh, you can watch the inspirational documentary, not only about Mission Aviation Fellowship, but really about um, David's story. He is now the president and CEO of Mission Aviation Fellowship, and the movie we're talking about is a Fathom event, so you can find tickets and theaters where the film is showing on October 18 and 21 at fathomevents.com. We'll be right back. I see dressed in All right, yes, for those of you who are asking, how do I find Mission Aviation Fellowship? M-A-F dot O-R-G, M-A-F dot O-R-G. You can find the film 
ends of the earth and information about theaters where it's showing and even tickets at fathomevents.com. Um, David, I feel compelled to ask you, um, first of all, like I try to follow you on social media and it's kind of funny. You're not very active on Twitter and on Instagram. I see like a wiener dog who I feel like I need to know more about. <laughs> oh my, you're already seeing that. Okay. Yeah, no, that's our dog. That's, that's our dog, Charlotte. And I find that that's the safest stuff to put up now are <laughs> pictures of my dog. So that's kind of what I do. Okay. Which is why I post one affectionately known as studio dog who just sleeps on a pillow in my studio. And so every picture is just a sleeping dog. So there you go. I don't need, I'm not even interesting enough for her to be awake right now sitting right here. Yeah. So um, I, first of all, thank you for being with us. Thank you for what you do um, through mission aviation fellowship. Talk with us about um, life now, uh, because are you now in a more like ministry managerial mode um, you're not, in, I'm not talking to you right now in Indonesia. So talk with us about maybe where you are in your own journey with all of this. Yeah. So in, uh, 2018, uh, our, uh, board at MAF just extended a invitation for me to move into this, uh, role of leading the organization. So we moved back to our U S headquarters in, uh, Idaho. We're located just out of nice. Boise, uh, Idaho, and it's a, it's a fantastic place for MAF to be located. We're kind of right at the, the, the right beside a range of, of mountains that our training aircraft can fly into with uh, new staff members who've joined us. And we can do a lot of the training and preparation for ministry overseas uh, in that area. Uh, the weather works well for, for being able to fly on most days of the year. So that's part of why we're located here in Idaho. Uh, quite an interesting change for our family after living overseas for 17 years. We have four kids. They were raised over there. And, and then coming back to uh, this part of the U.S. has, uh, you know, certainly had its reverse culture shock for us. We would come back periodically on furloughs to visit our supporting churches and family. But this was the first time that we'd lived back in the U.S. for almost 20 years. So I... Uh, Work at our headquarters here. We have about 150 employees at our headquarters in Idaho, and our job is really to do whatever we need to do to support the work of our families uh, that are serving in the, the different countries where they serve around the world. And so I spend a lot more time flying my desk now than I used to fly uh, the airplane, but uh, it's good. It's what, it's what God calls us to, uh, it's, it's where he's called us to be right now. And, and it gives you a, a perspective on our ministry around the world that I'm, I'm really grateful to have. It's, it really is a wonderful ministry to be a part of. So um, during different seasons of life, right, our our ministry and the way we engage in particular ministries certainly changes. And so I appreciate your willingness to, ser- to share that. Um, we could have a whole conversation about the reverse culture shock that you and your family mm-hmm. is experiencing and the experience particularly of your kids as like, you know, third culture kids. Um, just, just all of that is fascinating uh, to us. When you think about... Um, each and every one of us, because every single one of us has a responsibility to share the gospel. And when you think about that and you think about finding like the right fit for you, obviously your experiences, your gifting, um, the way that God drew you through uh, through your vocation into a ministry. I mean, all of that plays into it. I'm wondering if you have thoughts for people listening on on finding what sharing the gospel looks like uniquely for them. Mm. 
That's a great question. Well, what's clear is that we're commanded to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. And I think it's, you know, if we're not careful, we can sort of feel that, you know, this is something I, I need to have a gifting in order to be able to do. Uh, or maybe we have a very stylized approach to what we think that should look like. Um, you know, I had this desire ever since I was a, a young child to be a pilot. And I wasn't exactly sure where that would take me. In the end, it took me to Moody Bible Institute, where I went through a, a great program that they have to train uh, missionary pilots and mechanics and went through that program in the 90s. And then we we went overseas. And what I found is the Lord used this vocation that I was a part of, a very unique one of flying airplanes, to open doors that I never could have imagined, and doors that I didn't have to, to uh, you know, bang down, so to speak. I uh, many times I found that I could be in a conversation. Sometimes this could be with a devout Muslim, uh, maybe somebody who was in a government position. I oftentimes found myself interacting with with folks who are in that category. And they would simply say, you know, why are you, why are you here? And mm-hmm. uh, what is it that you're doing? And I would usually start off by saying, well, I'm, I'm a pilot here. And they would immediately assume that I was working for, uh, you know, this, this affluent sort of job with a gold mine or an, an airline that might be there. And, and I would say, no, we're actually here with this organization that um, we're here to help people. And we do that because of everything that that God has done for us. And I now get to live my life uh, out of gratitude for that. And it was just this natural way to have a conversation where I could talk about my love for the work that I got to do, the unique aspects of it. And I didn't shy away from that because it it would build some credibility. It would make me, um, you know, I guess seem kind of real to the person and so I didn't just have to go straight towards a spiritual discussion. It was just a natural sort of discussion of what I did, why I did it. And, I, you know, countless times it would just progress towards a much deeper, more significant level that were issues of the heart and issues of the soul. And I, I just, I guess what I found, Carmen, is if I approached it and said, Lord, would you give me an opportunity he without fail would do that. And, um, and I think people can talk about their vocation, whatever it is, uh, in that sort of way. And we can approach it in a way that says, no matter what I'm doing, I get to do this for the glory of God. And God uses people from, you know, every imaginable vocation to allow this world to function. And I, I, I love being able to blend that a talk about our vocation and about our faith. Um, I I recently just read a book that's about to drop. It's called Opportunity Leadership um, by Roger Parrott. And what you're describing is opportunity leadership, like being prepared in every way for whatever opportunity the Lord presents. And, um, And so the way you describe the Lord's preparation of you, but also your willingness to you know, follow a heart desire to be a pilot, but then embracing um, an academic experience that prepared you to be a pilot in a in a way and in places that you certainly didn't initially imagine. But then the willingness to 
you know, walk through doors of open opportunity when God presented them. That's just so, it's just wonderful. And I love the way that it doesn't sound forced. And my guess is that you didn't experience it as forced, that it was literally walking by faith uh, in the, you know, in the companionship with the Lord as you moved forward into ever broadening opportunity. Well, you know, Jesus did not force his way into uh, the conversations that he was a part of, you know, he would, mm-hmm. his, his simple invitation was follow me. And so Christ had this, you know, this way that invited people into a relationship with him. They were marginalized. They're on the edges of society again, um, isolated in their own way. And he, uh, he didn't start off by telling them, uh, you know, this is, this is what you need to do this, 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 and this. it was simple. Come follow me. And as he would enter into a deeper relationship with them, certainly he was able to speak to the needs in their, in their life. And so I, I think sometimes we maybe try to put too much pressure on ourselves on the front end of the conversation. And, um, again, I'm just, a, I'm a fan of, of God opening doors and kind of moving through them at a pace that, that works for that given conversation. All right. If you want um, an opportunity to not only experience and be inspired by David Holston's story um, and the story of Mission Aviation Fellowship, but really to be equipped with a tool um, for having a conversation about how God does use things like airplanes and pilots um, and a thousand ducks and all kinds of things. To, uh, to reach people around the world with the love of Christ. Uh, let me commend to you the, the documentary, Ends of the Earth. It's a two-night Fathom event in theaters across the country, October 18 and 21. You can check it out at fathomevents.com. You can visit uh, with Mission Aviation Fellowship at maf.org. David, thank you so much. Uh, Carmen, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you getting the word out for us. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. We'll be right back. All righty, one quick headline. We almost never have a headline out of Antarctica. So here goes. The last six months were the coldest on record on the continent of Antarctica. Yeah, so there you go. There's probably weather news where you live today, bad weather, good weather, severe weather, whether or not the weather affects us or whether or not we're affecting the weather. Yeah, as you're having weather conversations uh, today of any variety, consider that uh, in Antarctica, the last six months have been the coldest on record. Yeah, I don't have any explanation for that. I just think it's a point of intrigue, good point of conversation for today. All right, we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.